are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Last week, we were in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18. Blessed are they that wait for him. God wants us to wait, patiently wait, patiently be still, patiently trust, trust. And, and, and God says he'll bless you if you wait. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Tonight in this verse, we're looking at exactly what Brother Reamer's just sang, and I didn't ask him to sing it, but it's amazing the Holy Spirit must have told him. Last week we saw waiting on God. Tonight is working for God. God has a task for everyone in this room. You have a responsibility. You have a duty. You have a function in the work of Christ in this body, this New Testament local church, there's something you should do to serve him. Our theme this year is serving the Lord. When a child, I read this comment a while back, when a child is born into the world, and I thought of that little child yesterday being born in this world, Aiden. When a child is born into this world, think of this statement. When a child is born into this world, his work is born with him. Mother and dad, that ought to be very, uh, very motivating to you. You need to somewhat figure out the bent of your child. It was obvious in my parents' life that I was not going to be anything that was handy building things. I built a radio. I mean, literally built a radio in high school and uh, soldered everything together and put the tuner on and everything. And I put the electric, I wired it all up, and put it in, and I, I plugged it in in electric shop. It was a wonderful, it was working great. And a few minutes later, I saw smoke coming. I, I'm not an electrician. I am not an electrician. I rebuilt cars and motors with my dad I can remember rebuilding, I sold a lot of cars in high school to buy them, fix them up, get them painted, sell them. It's just, I just remember that, I had many cars. Uh, I, I would think if I added them all up, I've got to list them somewhere, 10 or 12 cars in high school. And buy them and fix them up and sell them. Sometimes paint them. And we'd pull an engine sometimes, we'd rebuild the old motor. I, I rebuilt many, many uh, 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 fuel pumps and I remember carburetors, I remember rebuilding those, and it worked. But it was always frustrating to me. It's sort of when our children were young and we'd build them a swing set. I don't believe, I just don't believe, I'm trying to be a good Christian, I don't believe in reading directions. I mean, what man is going to read directions? It's like a man stopping to ask directions to where you're going. You just feel it. You just know where you're supposed to go. Even if you go three miles out of the way, you never tell your wife. You just keep going. You conquer the road. But I, I, I'd build these swings or these little scooters or wagons. 
I'd build them, and I always had, I don't know why they did it, they always gave me extra parts. And, and I found out when they all fell apart, they were not extra parts. I wasn't built toward doing, I, I, could, I think I could build a house. I think I could build a builder. I think I could, I could not do the plumbing, could not do the, I think I could frame a house. I've roofed a house. I, I think I could do that. I, I could not, I'm not, I, I'm, I, I think I could plant flowers and plant sod and put sod in and landscape. And I've got an eye for that. I have no idea how to fix things. I'm glad my wife doesn't know how to fix things like that. Mechanical things. It would be so intimidating. Wife, can you fix this for me? I don't, it's just, I know that's probably male chauvinist. And I'm proud of that. <laughs> but God has put a child in your home. That little Eden was put in that home. Those parents cannot tell that child what he's supposed to do. But they must watch that boy will have a bent toward music, I would imagine. He might have a bent toward this. He might have a bent toward architecture, to drawing or design. Uh, parents are gonna have to, he might have a bent toward speaking or communication. Those parents are gonna have to figure out, maybe we ought to, without telling them, oh, you're, you're supposed to be a musician. No, just make sure that those things are available in his life. My wife could tell you this is true. When God gave us our children, I had been praying before, and I know she had been, and while my wife was expecting him, I prayed every day, and from that day forward, we found out, prayed every day, that they would serve God with their lives. I never told them that. I never prayed that in front of them. I prayed specifically for our son, one boy, two girls, I prayed that God, you would make a pastor out of him. I tried to make sure that he was around preaching and enjoyed it. I took him on trips with me and I would preach or whether it be preaching and, and we enjoyed it. Uh, I, I gave him opportunities, but I never said, Tim, I think you need to preach. Never told him that. Never told him I was praying for him. Never said, I hope God calls you to be a preacher. I didn't want to push him into that. The Spirit of God can do that. I just try to make sure those things are around. And one day, up in San Francisco, Brother Boroff was preaching at the Hamilton Square Baptist Church. We had all of our college there on Van Nuys Street, that beautiful building, Hamilton Square. And as he preached that day and talked about serving God in the invitation, he said, i tell you why you're not going to surrender to serve God, because you're afraid. And right before that, Tim was saying all these things, Lord, I'm afraid, I can't do it, I can't speak, I can't preach, I can't get a message. And Brother Boroff kept saying all those different things, and he finally walked forward. I didn't know why I was walking forward. I just, I can remember on the side by the windows of that aisle on the left hand, and he was kneeling there. He never told me what it was. I didn't feel like I should ask him. He was about a, I'm guessing, a sophomore in college. And, and I heard him preaching about a year or two later, and he said, I'm going to tell you that day that God called me to preach. I never knew God called me to preach. He never told me. And I said, I was at Hamilton Square Baptist Church. And immediately my mind went to where he was kneeling. I said, that was the moment. And I asked him later, I said, was that it? He goes, that was it, Dad. God called me to preach. I still didn't tell him that I'd been praying every day that God called me to preach. You know, friend, I don't know but, but when you're, about you, but when God puts a son or a daughter or grandchild 
in your life, God also births them with the way they probably should go in life. There are natural abilities. There are talents. Those natural abilities and talents should be used for God. But then as on our Sunday school class this morning, we're on a series on the Spirit of God, and today was the gift of the Spirit, and God gives nine gifts to the New Testament church. First, Corinthians chapter 12, read it this week. Romans chapter 12, read it this week. Ephesians chapter four, and there are nine gifts. When you got saved, God gifted you. You don't know what he gifted you with, but in time it will be revealed to you. You'll see it. I did not know the day that God saved me. In 1956, I did not know it, but God at salvation, 1 Corinthians 12, gave me a gift, and one of the gifts of the Spirit of God is the gift of being a pastor. I debated that with God. I, I challenged God on that. I, I'd stutter, I'd get nervous, I'd get, break out in a sweat. I knew I could never speak in front of people. I knew that God could not use someone like me. I, I didn't have the ability to do that. But I reminded God has not chosen the mighty, but the weak things of this world to confound the mighty. When God saved me as a boy, he gifted, I didn't know that. I went all the way through Bible college and never majored in being the pastor because I knew I could not do it. I felt like a little bit that latter part of the junior year and senior that I was probably running scared from God and afraid from God. I went into ministry as assistant pastor, but I just knew I could not be a pastor. God gifted me with that gift. It's not my talent. It's not my ability. It's not that my mother said I had to do it. It's not that my wife said I had to do it. And the Spirit of God gave that to me so many years ago. There's the gift of wisdom. There's the gift of knowledge. There's the gift, according to the Word of God, of faith. Some of you have great faith. Exercise it. There's the gift of teaching. It's mentioned three times. And if you're supposed to be a teacher, not just of a Sunday school class, but in summer chums, in Patch the Pirate, teaching soul teaching music, teaching whatever. If God's given you ability to teach and transfer what you know to another, then you ought to find the place to teach. God gave the gift of helps. Many in this church have that gift. You're like those corpuscles that come when there's a cut. They just rush to that to try to meet that need and help that wound, and you see a need and you rush it. Why? You have the gift of helps. It's not hard for you to help the fatherless. It's not difficult for you to help the widow in her affliction. It's not difficult for you to help someone on the pathway of life. It's not hard for you to stop your car and help some, some person with that flat tire and maybe they're waiting and don't know how to do it or, or perhaps they cannot do it. It's not difficult for you. You don't walk by the, the what we call the uh, handicapped parking stalls and you're mad at everybody. Why do these people have that? You're grateful that those are there because you have the ministry of helps. And it's not to help yourself. I think of the, the ministry of what the Bible calls government or ruling. Has nothing to do with, uh, with being a president or, but, but ruling, leading. I've watched so many people in these many years I've been here that try to lead and they're not leaders. 
And leaders that are trying to lead, people that try to lead that are not leaders, many times are abusive, they're unkind, or they're so, they're so confused, I, I don't know what we're supposed to do, what do you think? And they're led around. A leader knows what they're supposed to do. Everybody receives one gift, some receive more. There's a gift of exhortation, encouragement. If God's given you that gift, exercise it every day to encourage people. We had these children sing up here tonight. We had those children sing over there tonight. We had a soloist sing tonight. We had men leading music today that normally don't lead the music. Every one of you that are, have that gift, you ought to encourage those people. You ought to say thank you. I know I need to be the first out of church tonight. No, you ought to be the first to exhort, encourage. Uh, there's the gift of mercy, showing pity and sincere kindness to people in need. There's the gift of, I mentioned, pastoring. Now question, three questions, I get to my message. Question one about the gifts. Do you know your gift? If you've been saved any length of time, you ought to know your gift. Do you know your gift? I'd say question two, do others know your gift? Perhaps your parents would know I'll tell you what, a pastor's wife and a pastor, if they pastor you very long, they'll begin to see, I, I, I see the gift of them. I'm not going to tell you what it is. But I can see that gift in you. It's just natural for you to help people. It's natural for you to show mercy. It's natural. By the way, some of you don't worry, you don't have the gift of mercy. My question is this, do you know your gift? Two, do others know your gift? Three, are you using your gift? Question, did you use your gift today? Did you use it? I'm not saying did you use your talent. Thank God for talent. Did you use your gift? God says in 1 Corinthians that God gives a gift for the work of the ministry severally as he will to every man. God gave you a gift and or gifts. If you don't know what it is and you've been saved a long time, you're probably careless. There should be a passion in my heart. I've got to find out my gift. I've got to discover my gift. I've got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God and bow the knee and throughout the day and every day say, Lord, I don't know what it is, but somewhere along the line this year will you somewhat begin to show me and reveal to me where it might be. My son, it wasn't till a sophomore in college, kneeling, I saw it long before he saw it, but I wasn't gonna say to him, son, I know you're supposed to preach. I, I know I see it in you. But I did. I saw it in him. I saw it in him when he was sacred with the word of God. As a boy. As a teenager. I saw it when at times his whole world came caving in among him. Among him and things were sorrowful. And I watched him. Instead of getting angry at God and angry at people, he went to God. Call years ago, we were living across the road there. And there was a sad thing, that difficult thing that he had to face in his life. And our neighbor said, Pastor, 
Kim's walking around the neighborhood early, early, early in the dark of the morning. He's praying, isn't he? I said, he is. They said, we could see it. Not necessarily by what he's doing. We could just tell that he's praying. I'm talking about unsaved people told me that. He's praying. You know, when you go through a heartache, a lot of times you're not careful. You start the blame game. We blame the parents. We blame our church. We blame our background. We blame the Christian school. And he was going through a hard time, and he went to God. I saw that that's what he's going to have to do if he's going to be a pastor, a preacher of the gospel. He's going to have to know what it is to turn to God. I've never seen a successful Christian in my life who won't learn to wait on God and will not learn to work for God. You'll never be what God wants you to be. Look at our text tonight. Therefore, when you see a word like therefore, as a preacher said so many years ago, you gotta see what it's there for. How'd we get there? The therefore is referring back to 57, verse 57. Thanks be unto God that giveth us the victory. The verse builds on victory. The verse builds on verses one through 56 on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if Christ be not risen, you're yet in your, faith, you're yet in your sins, he said. And our faith is in vain. And we are most men, all men most miserable. And so he says, the therefore, the therefore serving God, the therefore rest that of the victory we have in Christ, the therefore rest on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so he says, therefore, it leads back on the previous verses. Therefore, be my beloved brethren, be steadfast. What a church this is. What a church. It's the most working church I've ever met in my life. It's a serving church. It's a church that sacrifices. I watched at, Chris, at Thanksgiving, I mentioned a couple of times this, this SUV, this, uh, not an SUV, what do you call it? Whatever it was for Brother Stences needed to go back in the jungles. We saw the, the video going up muddy roads at the rain and getting back and getting into jungles, areas and villages to preach the gospel. And th this big four-wheeler that they needed, and they, they needed $60,000 for it. And I watched in a matter of a couple of weeks, God's people just give to that. In the midst of all the other things, it's a giving church, it's a serving church. God, God did not save you to sit. God did not save you to sour. God did not save you to, to, uh, uh, to soak, but God saved you and me to work. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Tonight, we look at this work of the Lord Wait on God and then work for God. D.L. Moody was on an ocean liner, died 1899. He shook this nation for Christ, and he and Spurgeon shook England for Christ. And those two nations were, were amazing as people came to God. Moody was on an ocean liner. He'd go back and forth many, many times in his life. 
I don't remember right now, but I want to say if my memory's correct, 27 times he crossed to go to, uh, to the, uh, over the other side of the pond. Moody was on an ocean liner, and a fire broke out. And that fire began to rage on that, on that ocean liner. And the men all volunteered, and they all came, and they stood in a line with the buckets and were taking water in and putting it out. And someone came to him and said, Oh, Brother Moody, oh, D.L. Moody, oh, Dr. Moody, oh, please don't stand in the line. Would you go to the other end of the ship and pray? And he said, Son, we can put water in buckets and throw it on the fire and pray at the same time. We have some not, so many times, if we're not careful, excuses why we cannot serve God. I know this precious boy that perished yesterday in that car accident, very near a house that I lived on as I was a young boy on that freeway. Coming to Bible college, he was looking forward to, as his brother, serving God with his life, coming back to school. But friends, his day of serving God have abruptly come to an end. And if God's given you life, use it for God. There's a work to do. This world of ours is a mess and the only hope we have is not Washington, D.C. and Sacramento. The only hope this nation has are places just like this that are preaching the word of God, that are staying true to God. We need more churches than we've ever needed. We need churches to be filled. God says, I want my house filled. We need them filled through the summer. We need to be faithful to the house of God. We need to be faithful to our bus routes. We need to be faithful in serving God. I think of ladies in the Bible. That sweet Esther, oh, she worked. She was serving God. She was a working, that, that sweet Ruth, she worked. That Proverbs 31 woman, she worked with her hands. Lydia, she worked. I want to remind you that Aquila, Priscilla, Priscilla, she worked. Phoebe, she worked. I think of Abraham, he worked, he built a nation. And, and Moses built and gave the law. And Noah gave the ark and preserved eight people. And Nehemiah built a wall. And Stephen worked as a deacon, and, and, and Paul, and Peter, and the disciples, all martyred. They worked in the work of the ministry. Church and serving God is not a sideline. This week, June will come. And when June comes, let us get to September 1st and look back and realize I did nothing for God. I'm planning on going to the bus route this Saturday. I already told the bus captain. I've got so much to do like you, but I've got to help him get that bus route up. I've got to help him. I must help him. And if your schedule's like mine, I don't have time for another thing. But I can't afford and you can't afford to buy a million dollars worth of buses without helping these bus captains. By the way, the bus captains are not the fault here. The lowest bus had more in church than most of the rest of us. Thank God for that. 
lady came up to me just, I think it was last week, and she said, you ran a bus as a kid, and now I'm a grown adult with my own family. I'm so appreciative you, rode the, you ran the bus to East Palo Alto. There's an opportunity to serve God. Young preacher stood to preach his first message. He was called to a church to be their pastor. First message in that church. And he preached about serving God. It was a tremendous message. Powerful message. Illustrated message. He preached but no one moved. The next Sunday he stood to preach and he read the exact same text and preached the exact same message about serving the Lord. And nobody came. The third week he was there, his third week, he preached the exact same message, same text, same illustration. Finally, a man in the church, a little bit older, said, son, you've been here three weeks and you preached three messages on Sunday morning. All three were identical. Are you aware that you preached exactly the same message three weeks in a row? He said, yes, sir, I am. He said, you preached about serving the Lord week one. You preached about serving the Lord week two. You preached about serving the Lord week three. All three, same text, same message, same illustration. Why are you doing that, son? He said, I'm going to continue to do it till we obey the first one. I love you people, but you haven't got the idea. We're not here to sit. We're here to serve. Serve. And until we get serving God, are you serving God? So we, uh, I'm raising a family for God. That's your duty. Are you serving God? Sometimes we raise a family for God so they'll be beneficial to us. We won't have to deal with the drugs and the drink and, and the baby's out of wedlock. No, friend, it's, got a, got a, it's a lot deeper than that. You say, well, don't you know it's a busy area? The world is busy. Hey, Brother Mark, I see you shaking your head back there. Sumatra, you've been in Singapore. Is it busy in Singapore? It sure is busy. By the way, you're not going to believe it, but they now have computers in Singapore. And they've had them for decades, too. They're busy. Hey, Brother John Milan, do, do they have computers yet in India? They sure do. They're busy. You think in New Delhi they're busy? I think they might be. Mexico City, over 40 million people in that city. The state of California has 38 million. In one city, they have 40. You think they're busy? I read our missionary letter. Wasn't that good a report. Last month, I think they had, Brother Kevin went, I think they had 4,000 saved and 1,900 baptized. And that's every month. That nearly 10,000 seat auditorium that he's built is not for rock and roll. It's for preaching the word of God and enlisting people to work and serve God. These boys are on these mission fields and we've got about, I think, 25 or 30 now 
and about 40 in the pastorate. On the mission field, we got about 25 or 30, I think it's 30, and they're out there serving God on mission fields. And I'll tell you why their churches are exploding and growing, because they're working and serving, and they're getting people involved and plugged into the ministry. No telling what could happen if we all served God. Our text, do you know it's, it's personal? Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye, be ye, be ye. It's personal. It means Floyd Worley, who sang in the choir this morning, served with security, and sang again tonight. It means Floyd Worley is not dead yet. He should be serving God. Some, as we get older in life, we cannot maybe get up to a choir loft anymore. We maybe cannot, we cannot even sometimes eventually get to church. We'll be shut in. You can still serve God, friend. Be ye. You are the ye and I'm the ye. What are we doing? It's personal. Be ye. It's personal. And it's positional. He tells us three words, steadfast, unmovable. Abounding, steadfast as you're always there. You're always there. Brother Elliot, I believe like you believe. I believe if you lose your voice and you're in church and you cannot sing, you ought to still be in the choir. Because you can still smile and you can still fill a hole. You can still mouth the words. Still can sing. Be ye, it's personal, positional, steadfast, always there, unmovable. You're faithful in the midst of opposition. Unmovable. I'm not, I'm not quitting, I'm not giving up, and then abounding. Go beyond. And then I find it's purposeful in the work of the Lord. That brings a life fulfillment because there's purpose. We're not serving the flesh. I watched this Saturday. I come to the office early, and then I'm leaving out. I'm going to the bus meeting. And I watched this Saturday and last Saturday a grandmother in our church come with her granddaughter. And they bring their little tools they go out to these flower beds out here where there are weeds and start pulling weeds. One day, if time goes like it generally should go, what we hope it will go, Grandma will pass away first. But granddaughters will have the memory on this spot right here and on this spot right here I sat on the ground with my grandma and we pulled weeds together right here. And this place may become a sacred place. And this place may become a sacred place. You know where they're pulling weeds? Perhaps the last month, I parked my car right there. Every time I get out, I reach down and pull two or three weeds. 
I just pull them all the time, and they just keep coming, and I just can't keep up. And I put it on my list. I'm going to work on that corner right there. I'm going to work on that spot. I'm going to work on that. I have it in my mind. I'm going to do this. And I just I pull weeds, and I throw them in the trash can. I'll go up one, two, three times a day. I'll always reach down and pull some weeds. But I'll tell you what. i watch what they've done the last couple of weeks around here, and it's breathtaking beautiful. You know, that, that's serving God. This is God's property. We don't have sidewalks of silver and gold, and we don't have the riches that maybe some other church and the money in the bank to do it all like I'd like it, but there's not a person that generally comes on this property, whether they're delivering mail or whatever it might be, that does say to us, our city inspector, our state inspector, that almost without fail, they all say, this is such a beautiful property. I believe that's serving God. I believe as I stopped out and saw all these mechanics yesterday, and there's an army of mechanics that work out there, and they're always so kind, they normally stop and talk to me immediately, uh, half a dozen men or more out there working. And I was driving up, I was waiting on a, on a bus. Brother Russ was, uh, Russ, uh, uh, that's his first name. Can't remember his last L. I can't remember right now. And he had owned the pizza shop. And and he's out there working. He's moving a bus. And, and I'm watching Mark Giovanelli. Mark's right below me right now. He's in the radio room mixing for the radio station right now. And Rob and I watched Mark directing that guy. And I watch him in that wheelchair. Mark and I are the same age. He was a bus driver, and one day, as he was getting out of bed, his back exploded, and that was about five, six years ago. He's never walked since, and he works at it, he works at it, and he'll pull himself out, and he'll walk very gently and carefully, try to keep that movement going, but he lives in a wheelchair. And he still works on those buses. Now, I wonder how many churches that have a bus sitting, they're, they're sitting all over America. I'm talking to churches right now. Your bus, you want to run it. But I've had more pastors say, I can't find any laborers. Laborers are few. Here's a man rebuilding this and rebuilding this and fixing this and ordering this. Well, Bill's not here, Shilton. I don't know. I'll check. I don't know where he is tonight. He's always here. He's not old, but he's elderly. He's older than I am. That guy has dedicated his life to those buses. Brother Hardy, you come in every week and work on those buses, and Brother Ray and Brother Danny and Brother uh, Kennedy and on, and tomorrow night we'll have bus workers out here inspecting the buses and write up all the write-ups, and then they'll fix them this week and many others than that. I'm telling you that we've got people, Dr. Keller, others that work on those buses. Is God giving you that desire to keep those buses running? I think of gospel tracks and housekeeping and God says, I want you to work for me. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. 
May God bless you as you serve Him this week.